If you think about what we do as physicians for people that have health conditions that we see in an office or even a hospital, we really are seeing those people a tiny fraction of their lives. So if somebody comes in the office with type 2 diabetes or hypertension, infection, whatever, we adjust their medications, deal with other risk factors and other very frequent comorbidities, and then people move on and live their lives outside of the office. The 99% of those hours outside of the office or the hospital are by far the most impactful in regards to their health and their outcomes. And in this era where we are asked to be increasingly productive, which by the way is just code for seeing people faster, and most like me in this era of big medicine are actually given quarterly report cards on our productivity, the fact is to deal with all the medications and maybe three to 12 medical problems or medications the patient is on in the office, it's really hard to discuss lifestyle and then impact it significantly by seeing any patient every three to six months. It is hard for many healthcare professionals to believe that they're going to change lifestyle based on a few doctor visits each year. But while I understand that thinking, it appears to be incorrect when doctors do take the time to address health, diet, smoking, and other lifestyle changes like exercise, it has actually been shown to have an impact. Now, obviously not on everybody, but even if it is a minority of patients that decide to exercise or quit smoking, that still is an important impact. And I will be the first to admit that when I am 30 minutes behind in clinic or it's a really busy day in the hospital, which seems to be most days, I am laser focused on dealing with the most acute problems and simply can't take the time to focus on lifestyle when the pressure is building up. But here's the thing. We actually know that things like exercise have more positive impact on health than things that are considered holy in medicine, such as statin cholesterol therapy. Of course, things like statins have an important place. They certainly can go together much of the time and have an added benefit. I just believe that the place of things like statins and tons of other medications are given too much stature in the hierarchy. See, here's the thing. We have the data that resistance training and other exercises help treat and prevent osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, depression, anxiety, back pain, arthritis, cholesterol levels, hypertension, libido, reduced falls, reduced fractures, improved memory, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I get about eight medical journals sent to me every week in my house, and I cannot remember a single week where at least one of those journals doesn't have a new study about how exercise improves something. I mean, this week, you know, December 20th, I'm looking at the Annals of Internal Medicine, and they have their study and editorial. All right, so let's open this and look at it. December 20th, 2016, Annals of Internal Medicine. The first original research article is the effect of structured physical activity on overall burden and transitions between states of major disability and older persons. And then the editorial is titled, Exercise as medicine. And the editorial goes on to say, physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause of death and disability in moderate to high income countries. 
And you know, the Annals of Internal Medicine is put out by the American College of Physicians, the ACP. And actually, in this editorial, there is a line where they say, prescribing exercise may be just as important as prescribing medication, perhaps even more important in some cases. And I would say that's just starting to come around to the truth, meaning when we take all of those conditions that exercise helps, again, osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, depression, anxiety, back pain, arthritis, cholesterol levels, cancer, hypertension, improving libido, reducing falls, reducing fractures, all these things, we just don't have a handful of medications that works as well as strict and committed attention to diet and exercise and healthy lifestyle choices. I know literally many hundreds of doctors, and if I asked any one of them, take five medications to try and treat all those conditions I just mentioned, both for prevention and treatment, take five medications that will work very well, the smartest physician in the world could not do it because you can't treat that many conditions with only five medications and do it well. And believe me, this is not a holier-than-thou argument because I spent years of my life eating like crap, having the wrong mental attitude. Some days I still fall back into that. Weeks I sometimes fall back into that. But here's the thing. The past is the past, and even the screw-ups in the future that you're going to make are going to be screw-ups that you usually can overcome. So it's better to make changes late than never and still try to do the best you can do, realizing that nobody is perfect. Now, to all the medical providers listening to this, and I think most people who are listening to my podcast are medical providers, you know that being a lifestyle mentor and person of support for people you see who are struggling, the more effective you will be. I know you're under stress to get that done and do it effectively, but you already know because if you've paid attention at all, and the overwhelming majority have, you know that overindulgence in the wrong things and improving lifestyle, diet, health, exercise are all extraordinarily important. You see it day in, day out with your patients. And for friends and family of people that need lifestyle assistance, you actually may be more influential than doctors on a person's health. You have a particular ability to set a good or a bad example for the others around you. And hey, I get it. Some people's genetics are better or worse than others. But even with that, you know, we're talking every week something comes out. So let's go to two weeks ago, New England Journal of Medicine. This is from December 15th, 2016. The title of the study is Genetic Risk, Adherence to a Healthy Lifestyle and Coronary Artery Disease. And what's the conclusion? They looked at 55,000 participants Genetic and lifestyle factors were independently associated with susceptibility to coronary artery disease, but among participants at high genetic risk, a favorable lifestyle was associated with a nearly 50-50% lower relative risk of coronary artery disease than was an unfavorable lifestyle. So your family may not be blessed with great genetics. Hopefully they are, but if they aren't, it's still all the more important 
that you be that positive influence on lifestyle, not only for yourself, but those around you. Because again, 99.9% of your life is going to take place outside of the influence of physicians and nurse practitioners and physicians assistants and nurses and dietitians and naturopaths and massage therapists and Reiki specialists, any, I don't know, whatever, you get the point. My point is, is that lifestyle is extremely important. And that's why I think learning how to build muscle and do it effectively as one of the most important lifestyle changes you can make. Resistance training is so important for so many things, both for physical and mental health. So moving on with tips about gaining muscle. You know, one thing I think is important to note if you're a beginner in this, because those of you who are listening who have been doing this a long time already know this, it's that fit people actually learn to enjoy exercise. I know that's hard for people that don't go to gyms to believe, but my time in the gym is me time. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts and music. Mind and body are both important to me, and there is no reason we can't stimulate both at the same time. Some days I find myself listening to medical journals, international news, and music all during one single workout. It's easy to make excuses such as, I just don't like gyms. Just like those who display excellence at work, success at the gym is all about attitude. People who come to love the iron also learn how to channel the pain they carry inside them into a fuel for their lifts. So much of life comes down to how we deal with our pain, how we overcome the massive mistakes we've all made and deal with the indifference of the universe to us. We can spend every day drinking, drugging, gambling, fighting, or go down multiple paths to wallow deeper into misery, or we can turn the negative into something positive. I have no problem enjoying a drink or two or overeating a dessert many a night, but don't turn those things into a coping mechanism. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about nutrition. There's tons that can be talked about with nutrition and fitness. Each time you recertify and certify personal training with the NASM, usually pick one type of specialization to focus in on or refocus in on if you've done in the past. So one of the ones I do is fitness nutrition specialization. And I'm going to take just a small part of that and focus just a little bit of time on protein because nutrition is a huge part of feeding the muscles properly. Getting in shape can be elusive to many who focus solely on the workout. Your daily routine and your lifestyle are equally important, so the fuel you consume influences the product you build. And likewise, what you don't ingest is no less important than what you do put in. So what I mean by that is the right food is anabolic. The wrong food and wrong quantities results in the storage of fat and not building muscle. So excess carbohydrates are not anabolic for muscle. Carbohydrates simply don't trigger muscle protein synthesis like amino acids and protein ingestion does. Now look at carbohydrates as a fuel 
to help your workouts. While carbs are the energy source for muscles, Americans are prone to overdoing the carbs. You need enough to replete muscle glycogen. You also need some carbohydrates because they are protein sparing. If the body doesn't get any carbs, it will break down protein for energy and breaking down hard-earned muscle protein is a shame. So take these zero carbohydrate diets. They will help you drop a lot of weight during the initial weeks, but pure protein diets frequently cause fatigue and irritability in those performing hard workouts. Being in that state of low energy is not the way to get your workouts done. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. They are an awesome and necessary energy producing nutrient. Excess carbohydrates are indeed an enemy. The modern diet tends to be overloaded with carbohydrates. The plethora of sugar containing drinks particularly destroys many waistlines in our culture. And that also includes the falsely marketed so-called sports drinks. They are waistline building nonsense, not replenishing fuel as they like to advertise themselves as. Now, trial and error may be needed to gauge your optimum carbohydrate intake to fuel workouts without gaining body fat. Now, limiting certain macronutrients, specifically carbohydrates and fat, helps improve definition by helping us lose body fat. Now, the opposite is true for protein. Those wanting to support muscle growth often need to increase the frequency and the quantity of protein consumption. Now, serious bodybuilders, and I realize that's not the majority of people out there, but serious bodybuilders consume protein about six to eight times a day. Now, I'm not advocating that for the non-obsessed, but eating protein once a day just ain't gonna cut it for those wanting to gain muscle. And it does not have to always be meat because killing animals to look felt has got to come back in some sort of karma. Meats like chicken, fish, steak, obviously are a great protein source, but there are other sources like nuts, beans, and numerous others. Whey protein is an animal product that doesn't require slaughter, and it is an amazing protein. It is particularly high in leucine, and leucine is terrific for turning on muscle building. Now, I will say I do get a lot of emails, I'm getting them, I respond to most of you, that you want to hear a lecture on supplements, which whey protein, leucine starts to get into. I actually do have that lecture. I gave it, I think, the first time four or five years ago as a grand rounds at my hospital. There's just a few reasons why I'm a little bit hesitant to put that lecture onto the internet. And I won't get into all those details now, but here's the point with protein that I was trying to start to get into. It's actually during recovery that your muscle grows. You must provide muscle the amino acid building blocks it needs, which is protein. Also, let me take a moment to say, if you have a medical reason to minimize protein, you get kidney or ureteral stones, and protein is contributing to that, or eating meat sets off your gout, 
Obviously, there are exceptions where some people need to decrease their dietary protein. Another caution is that people can develop silent kidney disease from tons of different etiologies. That is why I suggest anyone on a high-protein diet get your labs checked at least yearly, maybe more often, but at least yearly. And if you have silent kidney disease, the extra protein strain on the kidney may actually lead to more damage. But if you're healthy and you're going to the gym and you're trying to build more muscle, you really probably need more protein than you're probably taking in unless you're already advanced in this stuff. All right, and one last muscle building tip I wanna get in there before we finish this off is to tell you to focus on the negative. What, not be positive? No, focus on the negative. So I think nearly everyone has days they don't focus enough on the eccentric part of exercising a muscle. So when you lift a weight, let's say you're doing a bicep curl, you are doing a concentric lift. And when you lower the weight down slowly, you are doing what most people call a negative. And trainers call that the eccentric part of weight training. Now, I once had a trainer put me through 40 minutes of doing negatives on lighter weights than I was used to using, and I was so sore the next day. It was awesome, because some days, pain and sweat is weakness leaving the body. But again, it's so easy to just lift, you know, do the concentric part of a lift and not focus on the negative. But allowing time for that negative, I am telling you, is something that is often neglected and can be a wonderful way to get through plateaus and gain more muscle. All right, get on out there. Gotta ask yourself, what muscles will you work on today? Que musculos trabajaras hoy? Right? All right. Have a good day. Gil Parat, signing out.